your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, there is a lot to go through, and uh, some of it is less than comfortable. I will put a content warning. I will be briefly referencing the Aldrich sexual assault case. Um, so if, if that, again, is an issue, just be mindful that it will take up the first segment. Uh, there was a press conference today that I think genuinely deserves to be discussed, in part because when it comes to NHL press conferences, I rank this as probably one of the worst I've ever heard, maybe the worst of all time, and it dealt directly with Shovel Day Off and, and certainly a lot of the circumstances around the Aldridge case. So if you haven't heard the press conference or haven't seen any snippets, I highly recommend that you check out the quotes as well as any of the recorded footage because some of it is is honestly just unbelievable and baffling. But we'll talk about the implications about that. And then I also wanted to preview a little bit of tomorrow's game against the Dallas Stars. I do have a much longer interview that I gave with uh, Dane Lewis of Locked on Dallas Stars. You can check that out on his YouTube and his podcast, Locked on Dallas Stars, tomorrow. But I will give you a bit of a cursory look into this game on tonight's episode, maybe some thoughts on what we might see and who I could see emerging victorious. And then at the end, I thought I would start detailing my plans for our NHL 22 Be a Franchise GM mode, where we will be taking over the Minnesota Wild. And I will be discussing like the first major decision point I want to hear from you. First, though, let us talk about uh, the press conference from the NHL, which, yeah, uh, all I can say is that it was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. The NHL, with uh, Daly and Bettman basically helming the conference, indicated that they felt Shovel Day Off had not done anything particularly wrong based on the circumstances of the case and the fact that based on his own testimony, he was the one who even indicated he was actually in the meeting, which uh, you can find in the report. Now, I've seen a lot of differing interpretations of what is in the report, and I have to be honest, I think the important thing to remember is that when you're dealing with witness testimonies, you are going to have to read between the lines a lot more than you think you are. You know, testimony, especially testimony from like a decade ago, is going to be unreliable, inconclusive, all that kind of stuff. And it's quite frankly all we have to go on right now. So the case is obviously very complicated. I still think at the end of the day, the Jets have made the wrong choice. But, you know, it, it seems like the NHL kind of backs this decision. And Bettman himself kind of said, oh, hockey culture isn't the problem. We take sexual assault very seriously, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the list of quotes about this case and the situation around it are, are nearly endless. And the worst part is all of them are terrible, in part because Bettman does act as something of a mouthpiece for the NHL itself and all of the owners, and they don't really seem to want to indicate that they are at fault, like they feel like things are okay. And when something like this happens, oh, it's just a small, isolated incident. It's just a couple of bad apples in the bunch, right? But obviously the, the culture of hockey itself is directly at fault. 
the insularity, the power dynamics. A lot of this has been explored on other shows like Locked on Blackhawks, Locked on Crosscheck, Locked on NHL itself, as well as uh, some of our other affiliate league podcasts. So I highly recommend you go check those out if you're wanting to get a bigger background on the history of these issues and certainly the implications for a lot of other teams. But at the end of the day, I think you have to ask yourself, you know, what does the NHL think of this whole situation? And honestly, it feels like they're sort of abdicating responsibility when they are, you know, mostly at fault for what has happened. The, the culture of hockey, the NHL organizationally speaking, and everything around it has built a system to protect people who do really bad things. And it's, it's obvious that it has been an issue for many years. You know, you look at the Graham James case that unfortunately implicates parts of the Winnipeg Jets organization, and they still to this day have not answered questions about their level of knowledge pertaining to the case around James and all of his victims. And for Bettman to come out today with that press conference and say the things that he did is just beyond baffling. There's no self-reflection, there's no indication that the NHL really intends to change anything, and when they talk about progress and what they can do to fix things, it rings hollow when they're also doing, in the same breath, discrediting all of the allegations, discrediting the serious issue with hockey culture, and basically insulting the victims. I mean, it's it's a travesty. And then, as if to, you know, make a point about the whole situation, he then said that the investigation into Akeem Alou's uh, allegations for racism and, and certainly around Bill Peters had been completed and the uh, the findings were announced to some of the parties involved, like Alou's agent. But Akeem Alou's agent came out and said he hadn't heard anything about it. And the last thing he heard was like a year ago that the investigation was still ongoing into matters concerning more than just Alou's allegations. So... Obviously, this has been a serious issue. The fact that the investigation was kind of lied about being finished is is kind of nuts. You know, Bettman said this in a press conference that's being recorded, right? And then Rick Westhead, who actually did the interview with Kyle Beach when Beach wanted to go public, he was actually not permitted to ask questions until somebody else spoke up on his behalf. The NHL is playing this really petty game of, of trying to avoid responsibility and suggest that it's not the league's fault, when in fact... Everything that's happening is because the NHL has allowed this stuff to go on. Don Fair of the NHL Players Association did not do his part, the Chicago Blackhawks didn't do their part, and the NHL has not done its part. And is anyone really shocked? No. I mean, we all sort of understand that this is one of the systemic issues with the league and that it's not changing anytime soon, but the fact that the league went up there and said this stuff on a national platform, really international platform, that it lied through its teeth and that it said such harmful, disgusting things in so many words is just baffling. It's unbelievable. And yet, with how this league is and what it's been doing recently, None of us are really that surprised. Obviously, the interview is just maddening, it's infuriating, it's so frustrating. And I think one of my friends, Peter Flynn, who actually put out an article just before all of this even happened, he said at best when he was like, I'm done with the NHL. He had a lot of issues with how things were being handled. And for him, the league is just beyond saving. I mean, it's so corrupted and, and corroded that there's nothing else to really rectify what's happened. You can find this article on uh, medium.com, and the headline is The Current NHL is Beyond Redemption, which I I got to admit, I really do agree with. I think that there are so many issues with this league that it's just crazy to think that the league doesn't see any of this as a particular issue that it needs to address. And when it does address it, it only does half measures. It's really embarrassing. And as a hockey fan, it just makes it really hard to want to watch. I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this whole situation and how you feel. Obviously, this has been a very tumultuous week for Winnipeg Jets fans. Uh, obviously, as humans and, and as hockey fans, 
this stuff, if you if you don't feel upset by it in some capacity, I'd highly encourage you to look into the case and read some of the reports and stuff and, and get a sense of what the victims are saying. Hockey has to change, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but after this, if, if hockey really refuses to go any further beyond what is absolutely necessary, the league long-term is going to be in real trouble. I mean, this stuff is going to continue happening. We're going to see so many kids and, and young players alienated, abused, and while being under a microscope might prevent some of it, you know, you can't stop everything, and that's kind of the scariest part, is how much of this is prevalent elsewhere. We have to do better somehow, and it's going to be a, a serious process of going through this, but you know, until we are, are willing to face up to the issues of being complacent and in some ways complicit with some of this stuff, we're never really going to make progress. My only hope is that Beach, having said what he has said and, and some of the other victims coming forward, that something resembling change starts to happen and that we begin the process. I don't know where we go from here, to be honest. I've, I've racked my brain trying to think about what the next step even is. But all I know is that this cannot continue and that something has to give. I've spent a lot of time talking about this and a lot of my wonderful colleagues have also shared their thoughts. If you want to go check them out, be sure to check out their Locked On podcasts. Be sure to check out some of the media coverage from folks like Katie Strang and Rick Westhead. They've been doing a wonderful job reporting on the facts of the case and, and getting more insight into what's happened. We all need to educate ourselves on how to prevent this from happening again. For now, I am going to switch topics and move on to some on-ice stuff from tomorrow's game. Obviously, the Jets' season continues on, and a lot of folks are wondering what even are the Jets right now. In just a moment, we'll take a look at what I expect to see from tomorrow's game against the uh, the Dallas Stars, as we do appear to have Mark Shifley maybe back in the rotation. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why DirecTV is the best option for all of your TV streaming needs. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirecTV.com for more information. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're now transitioning to talking about Winnipeg versus Dallas, which is the game tomorrow night. Obviously, this will be a major uh, Central Division rivalry matchup. I don't actually expect it's going to be that crazy of a game. I kind of feel like with where these teams are and everything that's happened over the past week, I'm not expecting a particularly exciting game. I feel like the Jets are going to be mediocre again. I know that they're playing at home, and thus far they've been pretty okay at home, but it just feels like the Jets haven't really clicked at all. And with everything happening off the ice, I have a hard time imagining that the guys are in a great mental state right now. It's obviously been very stressful. You know, there's a lot of travel. And finally, they're getting uh, Mark Shifley back from COVID, it looks like. He was practicing today. He was on the third line with Lowry and Wheeler, which, yeah, if you ask me, that just looks like Connor Shifley Wheeler, but with Lowry instead. And again, it completely misses the point of why you would have them apart from each other. Everyone knows that Shifley and Wheeler don't really play all that well together, and in part because Wheeler just can't keep up, and Shifley really needs to move at a pace that's just a lot faster than the pace that Wheeler is currently managing his game at. Blake just needs to be moved to a line that doesn't rely on a lot of foot speed, because if he can kind of find a unit that's more passing-oriented, 
that tends to work more on opening space up through lateral motion and doesn't have to worry about counters and breaking up the ice really quickly, I think he can still be a wonderfully useful player. It's just, with Shifley, we all know that that doesn't really last that long and it doesn't work out that well. So I would expect, you know, Connor Shifley-Wheeler will be back at some point tomorrow night. It's really stupid and frustrating that years later we're still here at the same point with this team. Every season it just feels like we talk about the same things and they don't really change. I I know that oftentimes people are kind of stubborn and and set in their ways, but it's especially weird with Connor Shifley-Wheeler because together when you watch them, it's not a particularly effective unit. I know that, you know, they always talk about best on best, but every time that line goes out against best other lines, they kind of get slaughtered. So I don't really know why the coaching staff insists on this. It doesn't work well. It's just not great. And maybe it's because the players want this too. I'm sure Blake would love to have top line deployments, but at some point the coaching staff is going to have to be firm and say, you know, we're not really seeing the results together that we're hoping for. Can we work out some middle ground? Because right now, Connor Shifley-Wheeler, that unit will kill the Jets. If they run out the entire year again, the rest of the team is just not good enough to compensate. And it would also split up Winnipeg's most dominant line, which has been Connor Dubois and whoever is on the wing. I also don't want to see a situation where Ehlers starts seeing a lot less ice time either. Nick is one of our most important players, and even when he is struggling like he is now, I still think he can be a really valuable space creator. So, I can't say I'm excited about that prospect. If CSW goes back together, I'm just going to kind of lose my mind. It's been a very stressful week for Jets fans, let's be honest. The last thing I really need to see is Connor Shifley-Wheeler together, but knowing this team, it's exactly what we'll see. Uh, You know, maybe the Jets will kind of smack Dallas around. I think the Stars are in a really bad spot right now. That team, over the past couple of years, they've they've hit a strange point of stagnancy where they do have some young prospects who I think are going to make a a longer-term impact, but overall that team still lacks considerable depth. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I did talk about this with Dane Lewis of Locked On Dallas Stars, which you'll be able to find on his YouTube tomorrow. But just as like a teaser, I I do think that, you know, the Jets are probably going to win tomorrow. I think that they'll do it by a couple of goals. I kind of feel like 3-2 might be like a realistic scoreline, though. You know, just as he says, the, the Dallas Stars do have issues scoring. So too do the Chets sometimes. I don't think it's nearly as bad because they they have a really good power play that's clicking. But if CSW goes back together, the scoring issues might start to persist again. That unit takes up so much ice time and kills a lot of what other units do well. And I feel like when you have that combo together, it just takes away opportunities from other lines to do their job. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic, but this has been years in the making of seeing this line continually struggle, so... I don't really expect anything different. At this point, with the Jets, I'm just hoping for, like, one less embarrassment than Winnipeg needs. It's been a long past couple of days. The press conference that was supposed to happen today with Chipman and Shovel Dayoff has been delayed because Chipman actually had vertigo or something and felt very ill, so he insists on being part of this conference, which I think makes sense. He does need to have some sort of accountability, and it is yet to be announced when it'll happen, so it's not going to happen today. I doubt it'll happen tomorrow. Let's just hope it happens soon so that it doesn't go out of sight, out of mind. I do want to end my Jets discussion here, though. We'll have more on tomorrow's episode about the Jets versus the Stars, thanks to a wonderful interview with Dane. But for now, it's time to talk about a much more interesting, much more fun, and interactive aspect, something that I've talked about earlier uh, earlier this month, or actually last month it was, uh, in teasing our NHL 22 podcast series. But before we talk about one of the biggest early decision points that I'm going to have you vote on, I did want to tell you about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. 
It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 70 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some introductions on our NHL 22 series where we will be a GM, but it's not just going to be me managing the team, it's also going to be you. You will have a very steady hand in helping to develop this franchise alongside some of my primary high-level decision-making. I'm going to play the role of GM, you will be like an assistant GM. Or maybe a second GM, if you will. Maybe you'll have a little bit more authority than most. And uh, of course, the series, as voted on by Twitter, is going to be, uh, that's actually where a lot of the vote is happening is on Twitter, but this series is going to be focusing on the Minnesota Wild, which it's going to be a very interesting time. The Wild are a strange team. They've got some dead salary to work off, uh, a couple of bought out contracts, and the team's kind of in like a weird transition stage between being good and maybe also needing to think about the longer term rebuild picture. And now that Kirill Kaprizov has been resigned, their long term outlook gets even murkier. Honestly, from Kaprizov's early returns in this season, I don't know that he's really worth the contract he was asking for. But in NHL 22, he's still much better than he is in real life. The version of him that's in the video game form is a monster. An 88 rated monster. So obviously his player in game, he's going to be a great performer for this team. And it's it's clear that he will be one of our main contributors. Now, where it kind of gets interesting is I feel like with, with Minnesota, they have a couple of primary needs. Their defense is still kind of in flux. Uh, their, their center depth is not great. Like, they could use a franchise center from somewhere, and there just happens to be one that will be available this offseason. Or maybe during the regular season, if it actually comes to it. Uh, and it sounds like this will actually happen sometime between now and before the trade deadline, I would assume, between Vegas and Buffalo. As you can guess, I am in fact referring to Jack Eichel, and I think Minnesota was actually one of the teams that was inquiring about Eichel. I would imagine everyone was, but... The Wild especially because their team, they've got a lot of younger players and prospects, but they don't have like a franchise center. They've got Joel Eriksson Ek, but I don't think he's the kind of franchise center I'm thinking of. I think Eriksson Ek is really good, and in fact, he would be like an ideal number two C. But you're looking for that number one game-breaking talent, the one that can lead your franchise forward, and that's why I feel like Eichel would be a really good pick. Now, trading for Eichel is going to be complicated. I believe he is still listed as a healthy player in the game, which is a little bit different than his real-life status, so obviously you are going to be paying up front. And when you look at the Wilds roster, there's not a lot that we're going to be able to trade. So maybe Kaprizov would actually be part of the trade package? I'm not really sure yet. But either way, I want to know from you, do you want me to trade for Jack Eichel? Do you want to make this decision? If we do trade for Eichel, I'll start working on some trade packages and propose them to you and see which ones you vote on. If not, though, we will roll into the regular season and start simming with the team that we have. We'll go through preseason and maybe the first couple of games of the regular season, and I'll report on our next episode what has happened for the Minnesota Wild. We'll give you updates throughout the season as well as very key decisions on our path to glory with the Minnesota Wild. But for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Lockdown Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. 
Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Collin leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so go listen and subscribe. As always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!